0: Hello, this is Chris speaking.
1: Hey, Chris, it's Knives. Can you hear me? Okay.
0: Knives Monroe, how are you?
1: Can you help me? Can you hear me? I can hear you splendidly. I missed your velvety tones.
0: <laughs> velvety tones. Oh my
1: goodness, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to
0: hear. Good to you hear dude. your voice.
1: Oh man, it's been a it's been a while. When was the last time we hung out?
0: I would say when we when uh, I jumped out of a plane for oh, no apparent yeah. good reason.
1: That was great. That was a great time, and I'm, thank God, that's documented and it's out there forever. Like that's that's my yearbook right there.
0: I look at that video stuff that you sent us, Cole, and I looked at it the other day. I have it saved in my favorites. And I look at it, and I just about I'm like,
1: it was just such a surreal thing. It was crazy surreal is definitely the the best word for it well thanks for making some time out of the day man i know s- school started and you probably never yeah. even take time off so uh this means a lot and i want to make the best use of your time that i can so i really appreciate that if you like we can just get right into it
0: yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's, it's up to you brother i'm, I'm kind of i honestly was just calling and checked on you today so anything you want to get into i'm i'm game i just just, uh, told you that we were friends and I was checking on you to make sure that things are going good in your life and just thought I'd check in and say hi.
1: I appreciate that, man. And yeah, things are, are going well. Um, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Um, okay. I kind of want this to be like a part two of the podcast that you Dakota and I did in Kentucky. Um, just cause I feel yeah. like we barely scratched the surface. So, yeah. um, yeah. I know quite a bit about you. I probably know more about you than you do me. Um, but that's because Dakota, gosh, you know, has just told me yeah. all the great things about yeah. you and how how you've been there for him. And um, yeah. I was rummaging through our that podcast that we did for Owning It two years mm-hmm. ago. And I was listening to it again recently because I think in May I was trying to get like a little kernel out of it. And it's just so deep yeah. and so personal, and um, it just sounds like it sounds like you were always a presence for Dakota, even when he was like in high school. Is that right? Um,
0: uh, high school, no, actually, uh, uh, Toby uh, Young, who you know you've had on the podcast as well too following it. He, uh, they've known each other since they were since he was a little kid. I didn't meet Dakota until uh, he was probably in sniper school, and he was home. Uh, Toby and I were playing ba- pick up basketball out at the high school. A lot of adults. We just get together, make a phone call, and, and uh, Toby says, "Hey, I want to introduce you to a buddy of mine that's a Marine. He's home on leave right now." And he says, "You know, I know your dad's a Marine and whatnot. And he, you know, he, he, you know, you know, he connect with people who know, understand and know military people. Come from military families." And introduced each other, said hello. I ended up actually guarding him in the pickup game. We played ball that night, hung out for just a brief moment. He was, you know, he was a much younger man then, and he kind of went off that night getting into whatever Shenanigans young men get into. And then uh, it wasn't until after he returned from Afghanistan. So now, fast forward, he returns from Afghanistan. He's out of the military, he's out of the Marine Corps, and uh, he enrolls at Lindsey Wilson College, and that's how we became friends. So, like, Dakota uh, Toby says to Dakota, Hey, remember that guy a long time ago? You know, I think there was kind of like, yeah, kind of, not really. <laughs> well, you know, he's my buddy and you know, that's who you need to connect with. So then we just reconnected. And, and, uh, as the story goes, like, I, I, honestly, like, I mean, I, you know, me, you, you've got to know me. I would say to, to a lot of people, I just said, Hey, I said, uh, I'm always there for you. It's nice to meet you. My office door is always open and come on up anytime. And, but you know how there's always those people in your life that really take you up on that offer well, yeah. the next day, there there was Dakota. He was in my office, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and we started going to lunch every day when he got out of class, and we started talking and just hanging out, and then that led into riding bikes and going running and hanging out. at the Young's house, hanging out at his family's farm, Big Mike's farm, and we just developed a friendship. And then that's when one day in the office, he says, uh, what do you think about the White House? <laughs> and then that's it, kind of just, yeah, and then the rest is history.
1: Literally. Wow, one thing just kind of led to another there. That's that's madness. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was Toby is the Toby is the connecting point. Though so for like in terms of him and I meeting each other, I always want to give credit to Toby. He was the connecting point because they he had known Dakota since he was a little boy, and you know their their farms, they knew each other. You know, Big Mike knew Toby's family. It was just that they, they that was the connecting point.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So I will say you being the type of human, and you did the same for me. Um, let me just tell the listeners the first time I met you. I I go to Columbia. I'm following Dakota. I'm his cameraman, for lack of a better word. And I carried that camera with me everywhere I went. I mean, except the bathroom. But sometimes I took it to the bathroom because you never know. And I wasn't really dressed to roll jujitsu or you know, play basketball. I was just there to film and I see this tall guy and, uh, you come up to me and Dakota already talked about you, but I hadn't put a face to the name. And you were like, so what do you think about all this? And I'm like, man, I'm, my mind was blown, you know? And I, I just, you kind of had the advantage over me. And, uh, I just remember your energy. Like, I don't even remember what I ate yesterday. But I can remember yeah. the first time we met, and looking at you, and I think I had the camera on as well, but, and just being like, "Who's this guy?" Like he doesn't seem like everybody else from Kentucky. There's something really inviting and warm about him, and I could, not to get too hippy dippy, but I could feel your EQ, your emotional intelligence, yeah. just vibrating, just from you. And um, lo and behold, hold the rest of the night continues and we all get our butts, our butts kicked and, and (laughs) I put two and two together and I was like, Oh wow, this is Chris Schmidt. This is the Schmidtie." I was like, Oh, no wonder, no wonder. And, um, I'll never forget that because you know, no smoke meeting men like you that are that inviting and that cool and just have that EQ. It's like one in a million. It's super, super rare. And I always feel like I, Obviously, I'm projecting, but that I bring, like, kind of this cloud of mixed energy to people. Like, people don't really know how to uh, pinpoint me, and oftentimes I have to subvert their expectations, and I think they hear gotcha. me speak, and then they're like, oh, he's... He's more thoughtful than he appears, but looks can be deceiving, but you just treated me with open arms and you were just so cool and that was a very warm first impression Where does that come from you're not like everybody else
0: well first of all thank you uh, uh, I, I thank you knives i mean i I'm glad that that was the first impression you had I mean I just uh, you know my my recollection of that of that, of that, experience, too, was that I knew that you were coming with Dakota and that this was a guy that was going to start to, like the way I thought of you was like you were the guy that he was putting a lot of trust in that was going to be part of helping him, I don't know, like uh, connect, I guess, connect in a more virtual way, you know, if, is that the proper terminology, I guess, you know, just uh, building content and, and, and really capturing Dakota in a, in all the different platforms that are out there. And, uh, you know, I've kind of, yeah, I'm kind of a person that I like, like if you're, if you're a friend of my friend then you're my friend too, you know what I mean? You know? So it's like, I, I think my circle of friends is pretty small. I have a lot of acquaintances, but I have a small circle of friends, like people I really feel like I go to war with. And when that person, when a person in my circle says, yeah, this is a good guy. This is a guy that I trust. This is a guy that I'm counting on. Well, then, kind of like already, like, uh, I guess what it is it, like the dating? You know, like when you date somebody and you trying <laughs> to feel them out, like, we were kind of already past that because the code had already given mm-hmm. you sort of uh, the, 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 you know, the, the seal of approval that you were a good guy. So, you know, I see, and I know how it is. Like, you come, I, I don't know, I you know you how it is when you walk into a room full of people you don't know everybody or you're in an area in an atmosphere where you don't know people. There can be that awkwardness and maybe the... Maybe, you know, feeling a little bit unsure of yourself, where you fit in, in the whole big picture. And I don't know, maybe it's my role at the college, you know, mm-hmm. because of what I do. But I you asked, like, how did it start? I think it goes back to just growing up. I didn't grow up in Columbia, Kentucky. I was already an outsider looking in for a lot of years. I grew up in New York City. You know, I grew up, you know, dad in the Marine Corps. You know, my parents were civil servants. Uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm a product of the very early 70s, so post-Vietnam, going through the whole 70s, living, you know, I went, to, I was, my, my, my Catholic school friends teased me and grew up growing up and called me the public school kid of, of our, my peer group. I was the public school kid, went to a predominantly black high school, did all, you know, did it, you know, it was just, I grew up in a pretty tough neighborhood, it was a very diverse neighborhood, you know, you know, we, growing up how I grew up, you know, you identified yourself by your ethnicity. So I was the uh, you know, the Irish Yugoslavian German kid, you know, my friends were, you know, from the Dominican Republic. they were from Puerto Rico. they were from, you know, who was from uh, it, whose family was descendants from Italy, who was from Russia, who was from, you know, all the, you know, it was so like the class really was like, I learned the term early on melting pot. Um, and that was kind of, we learned that in like school, like, you know, like, like we're a world full of made up of people or from a melting pot, all these different personalities and countries and ethnicities and religious beliefs. So, so I don't know. I mean, I kind of felt like, you know, when people moved into the neighborhood, you welcomed people to your neighborhood. Neighbors went over and saw each other and you made friends, you introduced yourself to the new kid in the neighborhood and you said, Hey, let's go play stickball. Let's go play handball. Let's go, you know, let's go get in trouble. (laughs) You know, let's go, you know, whatever it is you did. I don't know. I mean, I, I saw Knives Monroe and I was like, you know, here's a guy who's trying to figure out where he's going to fit in. You know, are you going to be the square peg in the round hole or, you know, you know you know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. At the college, I try to welcome people. I, you know, we have, we welcome five, 600 new students to campus every single year. There has to be a lot of people that welcome them and make them feel invited and feel like they belong there. And I don't know. I just, it seems, it seems normal to me to make a person feel that way. So I just I just accepted you as part of the part of our family, part of the Dakota family.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, I'm I'm definitely grateful that you that you went ahead and did that. I will say, maybe it's my background and the way that I grew up, but uh, it probably says a lot about me too. Uh, I it, it's almost disarming to have somebody greet you with that much respect and dignity (laughs) to be honest Mm -hmm. it's not common especially where i come from like it's almost alien to me i i'm almost instinctually not not anymore but i think at that time um i didn't really get out much i was a, a nine to five cubicle guy and then when i went home i just edited little videos but at that time i i can say that i was almost suspicious of if somebody was being nice to me i was just like hmm i didn't want to get hurt if i'm being honest but so but with you i'll put my guard down you know and uh, i will say on that trip was the first time i ever visited kentucky first time i was probably ever even in the eastern time zone if you go a little further and that was the day where i put my guard down and i in my heart went all in on dakota when when i meet when i met big mike and i think i told him this too we did a podcast with him owning it meeting him and riding in the back of a little atv and seeing the cows and just seeing how cool big mike was i mean i grew up in the dirt like actual desert palm trees and stuff and so that was i mean kentucky that's that's the heartland of america you know it really is you're
0: getting into the soil right there (laughs)
1: i was in the soil and it was alien to me it was it was an experience i'll never forget like i i anchored it because i knew one day i'd want to go back to it and just thinking about it right now uh, it gives me a warm feeling i get a little nostalgic even though it wasn't that long ago but i i, I wanted to ask you um how many birthdays have you had sir
0: oh uh i'm uh, 48 i was born january 4th uh 1971 so i'm coming up here soon i'll be experiencing my 49th birthday
1: mazel tov. that's amazing uh, how Thank you. so you grew up in the 80s like your coming of age
0: absolutely heck yeah
1: proud of it <laughs> proud of it do, when do you recall your self-awareness kind of kicking in you you seem like a hyper self-aware guy like I said the mo the melting pot uh the product of the time you know in relation to being an outsider like that has to kind of put you in your head does it not
0: yeah no I, that's a that's a that's a great question i've i've uh I've sort of, uh, I, I don't know if the right word is struggled. I've struggled with that question personally for a long time because I think I've always been in my head. I'm very, uh, I spend a lot of time thinking like, how did that make the other person feel? What's the connecting point
1: to this person? That Where person, do you think this? that comes from?
0: I don't know. I mean, think it's a genetic? I, I think it comes, Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be uh, all Freudian and, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, I came from a, I, I, I came from, you know, I love my parents. They did a great job. They divorced, ironically, after 25 years of marriage. But, you know, it was tough. My dad struggled post-Vietnam. He was, uh, him and Dakota get along. They're they're good friends because I think they share a lot in common. He was a machine gunner. Marine Corps, he saw significant, significant, you know, um, um, fighting over Vietnam, lost a lot of his men. And so, when he came back, he was not right. And my dad knows I can talk about this openly. He's, he, he was a closet, uh, Marine combat veteran for 40 years, you know, and, and, uh, and I was the oldest. So I grew up, I was, I was a product of sort of an accident. My mom was 16. Um, they were unwed, you know, all of a sudden um, they're pregnant, you know, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff was going on. Uh, but they did the best they could. We grew up in the projects. It was just, I don't know. It was just weird. So like, I was, I think I was always conscious of being the poor kid growing up, you know, my parents busted their ass to give us, Everything, but you know, early on there wasn't a lot, and they made the most out of nothing. And so I was always conscious, you know, kids, you know, you know how it is. Kids are tough. Kids are kids are just brutal. And so when you're growing up, you know, I never had uh, my jeans were always too short because we we would get every last inch out of them, and I was growing like a weed. You've met me; I'm a tall guy, really tall guy, and and I was growing like crazy. You know, I always had on the aftermarket shoes and this and that and. So, you know, it was kind of a, I don't know, you know, you just kind of, you know, you just kind of always wondering, yeah? I was always in my own head, like, was I not good enough for this? Was I not good enough for that? And then and my, and my parents, I think they, they wanted more for their kids. So they set high standards. My parents were really, uh, and I'm proud that they did that because I think it gave me a good work ethic. Like I watched them work. My mom worked at a liquor store at night. She, you know, she did this this job during the day. My dad were ended up working for the post office. Even as a cr he was he was severely I'll use the word crippled. He was on crutches and somehow he I don't know how he got past it, but post Vietnam he was so shot up. They let him deliver mail, can you imagine on, on crutches? They gave him what they call a mule. He had this mule it was a three wheeler and he'd put the postal bag, hung it over the three wheeler, and he'd push it along while he was limping along with the crutch. And this is back in the day when you could bring, he would bring me to work and I would help him deliver the mail up those big tall city stoops. Um, So you can imagine that would not be obviously allowed today. So I don't know. I mean, they instilled sort of a work ethic in me. But all along, I was always in my head about, you know, like a lot of the kids in my neighborhood came from the other side of the road. There was a sort of a dividing line in our neighborhood between what became the more affluent neighborhoods and what, when you were on the poor side and me and several of my buddies lived on sort of the poor side and the other guys didn't. And so I just was always sort of, you know, when you kind of look over the fence, I was kind of always looking over that road. You know, I was always looking over the fence. What do those people think of me? Am I not good enough? Can I not do this? Can I not do that? And then there was, I I think a lot of it was there's people. I think the I believe God put me in a place now where I get to then share with students and help them where people didn't like, I was told I couldn't go to college. I was told I wasn't smart enough. I was told I couldn't do this. I was mm-hmm. told I couldn't do that. You know, there's those people couldn't tell you can't do anything. There's a lot of people, you know, I, I was, uh, I thought I was going to wrestle in high school. I get all the high school. I'd cancel canceled wrestling program. So my dad was like, well, you're tall. So I go out for the basketball team. Well, I got cut from the basketball team. I'm not embarrassed by that. um, and I remember I worked so hard, but I had never played basketball growing up. So I mean, I, it, you know, like you're not you're not smart enough to know the reality. Like I really probably didn't deserve to make the basketball team because I wasn't very good. But I was remember I was really hurt by the fact that I tried really hard, but that and I knew that my effort was more than other people's effort because there was other people that were just cashing it in. Like they were they obviously had more skills, but they didn't work as hard as I worked. And I thought that my effort should be more rewarded. I remember feeling hurt. I remember going to the coach and my dad said, well, if you want to do something about it, do something about it. So I went to the coach and I told him, I said, well, can I be the towel boy or whatever it is you call somebody, the manager or whatever. And and he said, yeah. And and lo and behold, a bunch of the kids flunked off the team at the first report card. And he said, well, guess what? You're not the manager anymore. You're going to play. And I remember I thought this is my opportunity. And I just worked my ass off and, that was fortunate enough to plan some really good teams, not because of me, because of other people, but they, but that sort of created the work ethic. And then, you know, and so all the people said I couldn't play, I ended up playing a little junior college basketball. So I'm always proud that I played junior college basketball. But I even think about that. The people who said I couldn't, because I had kind of tailed off. I focused on athletics and I stopped focusing on school and, I, I didn't score very well, so I did not get accepted in the schools I thought I could get accepted in. And so I'm not blaming anybody. I, I accept full responsibility for those things. But I remember, like, there were people, like, you know, there's always those doubters, like, oh, well, you should just go be, I remember somebody said, you should just go be a fireman, or, or a post, or uh, what they say, they should, you should be a New York City policeman. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, those are noble positions, and you shouldn't just make it so callous, like, oh, just go do that. It's not a those news. guys are. Yeah, they're brave as could be. I mean, those are legit, legit positions, and and I would have been proud to have done any of those. But but I want, I aspired to want to go to school, and I thought, why is another person, another person in my life telling me no? You know, you can't do this. And so I don't know. I just I'm, I'm glad, I'm fortunate that there were other people who supported me and backed me up. I mean, like like look at like at Dakota, like you know, like look at the things that he does for people who try to support people. You know, I'm not, and so. I think that as time went on, it was that kind of drive and motivation to be welcoming and open to people and to say, hey, Knives Monroe, nice to meet you. Hey, join our little happy band of, of people and let's hang out and, and enjoy each other's company and see what we can learn from each other. You know? and So I don't know, that's a long answer, but I, mean, I think there's just been a lot of
1: things. You know? Of course. Were you an only child?
0: I have a brother. And, uh, you know, I think it depends on how you look at it. My brother and I grew up in the same house for three and a half years apart. He's younger, I'm older, but, uh, we, he hasn't spoke to anybody in the family for probably a dozen, if not more years. Um, he, uh, you know, it was a tough, it was tough growing up in our house. There was, uh, my dad and I, we, we settled this a long time ago. I mean, it was, you know, he was I, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but you know, it was, it was a pretty tough situation. He was a little, he was abusive. He had, he had anger issues. You know, again, he was dealing with some stuff. I don't know why I handled it the way I handled it. And my dad and I have buried that hatchet many, many years ago. Um, you know, but my, my brother did not. And I remember he called, my brother called, uh, child services. So we actually had child services in the house. There was a big mess. It was, it was a mess. It was a mess. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people could hold resentment. I didn't. I just kind of moved on. Uh, the one thing my parents taught us to be was resilient and to be independent. And I thought, you know, like, my brother's choosing to define his life the way he's choosing to define it. I'm choosing to define my life the way I define it. We are polar opposites. Like, I'm sort of uh, conservative, and he's very liberal. Um, you know, he's. I wish him well, but we he, he didn't want to be part of my life, and so I'm not going to beg him to be part of mine.
1: Wow. That's rough, yeah, and I'm man. not
0: afraid to talk about it. Just it just is what it is.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I share something very similar with my with my father, you know? Like, yeah. where was I? What was it? There was maybe a podcast or something I was listening to, and they were talking about something very similar like what you said, and 10, 15, 20 years later, they buried the hatchet, this man and his father on the podcast. And yeah. I remember hearing this and thinking, I have no interest in that. Like I, I feel no love for my father. Like I don't, you know, I have some family that say, yeah, well, he's your dad though. He's your dad. But, but no, he's not, you know, he's, he was never there. And, and uh, he made the conscious choice to choose what he chose. And I make the conscious choice every day to sweat and bleed and, you know, all the tears and stuff for my kids, you know, and I, I don't see any other way, but so I, I definitely know where you're coming from, but I think, our perspectives are in the minority. I think most people would say, "Well, he's your family, so um, you know you got to make the effort. You got to be the bigger man." But the truth is, if somebody's made up their mind and that's the way they feel, that's a that's a harsh reality, and we have to move on and take care of the family that has their arms open. Yeah.
0: And, and that's the thing, too, is like, you know, like my baggage, like I, I don't think there's a single soul walking around that doesn't have baggage, right? Like, don't we all kind of have our own baggage? Whether we, whether we express it or not, it's there. My baggage with, say, my family is not the same as my brother's baggage and his issues. And so... A long time, like when I was a younger, 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 younger man. Yeah, I was mad at him. Like you know, I would be mad. Like you know, you're causing this, you're causing that. But I, as I got older, once I was gone, I was on my own. I was start my own family. You've met my wife, and you've mm-hmm. met my you've met my wife Rebecca, and you've met my son Cole. And I had to be my own person, my own my own parents, my own husband, my own
1: individual. Uh, Does your brother and have kids? Own, huh? Does your brother have kids?
0: Um, from what I understand, he does now, but I honestly, I wouldn't know that other than through, uh, like second cousin and stuff like that have told me he does. I
1: but think I that I has mean, a profound impact on your perspective, right? Like you choosing to be a man and being a provider and being there for your son yeah. and your wife through thick and thin. I think that that says a lot about you and I think it broadens the horizon for your perspective. So that's, that's the only reason why I ask.
0: Yeah. And, and that, and that was one of the things, like I remember I remember going to my brother when my when Cole was born, my son was born and said, Hey, you know, we don't have a very big family if you want to be an active part of his life as an uncle. And I started inviting. Him. So now he had been sort of distant, but we still communicated. I invited him for holidays, invited him, you know, cause that's just kind of, I guess what you do, you know, like that's the, st- that's a stereotype, right? Don't you invite family to holidays, and do stuff like that. And he came for a while, but then it just became more and more distant and, the the distance between him and my dad and then the, then the distance between him and my mom grew more until he was just not part of my life anymore and i wasn't gonna i i don't feel like i should beg anybody to be part of my life and you know you you asked something that i want to go back to so like i come from a super small nucleus family like, there's just i mean my immediate family consists of my dad my mom rebecca and cole you know like that's it. like there's no aunts uncles now my second part of my family is my Aunt, uh, men, my aunt Madeline, my Uncle Mendo, and my, my three cousins. And that's it. And after that, there are people, but I, I need somebody else to tell me who they are because I don't know who they are. So hmm. for a Knives Monroe, for a Dakota Meyer, for a Toby Young or Dean Adams, you met Dean Adams. You know, I could go on and on the Mike Staten, who you know, my, you met Mike Staten. He was on podcast. podcast. Uh, Abe Cross. There's uh, Tim Kelly. There's uh, Steven, you know. Uh, Stephen Marston, there's there's these people in my life, you know, Claude Bacon. I could I could just go on and on. There are people who entered my life and chose to be genuine friends, and when they chose to be my genuine friend and really be open and honest to me, I accepted them 100 percent as family. Like they they might as well be the same blood that flows through me. And so that's why like you know like when you when when you guys went through the change and you had an opportunity, that's why I reached out to you and said you know hey, I was like you know, I know you're moving on to, to the things for your family and opportunity and stuff like that. Like, Hey, we're still boys. If I could ever do anything to help you, let me know because I really do see you as family. You know, it's just, and so that's why like, he doesn't like, I don't like, I think true family can call each other up at any moment and be there for one another. You don't have to like check in every hour on the hour. It's not about who got what at Christmas and all that kind of crap. It's genuine friendships and family are because they're there for each other. And so, I don't need somebody to be my biological brother to be defined as my brother.
1: And I feel the exact same way, you know, for sure. You don't have to be blood to be family. Yeah. And you reaching out to me, you know, you were one of the only people that did. And I don't say that in a salty way, not by any means, but it, it meant yeah. something profound to me. And that's why I wanted to extend the invitation to get on the podcast just for posterity, you know, just to kind of yeah. have this moment because two years from now I may need it or someone else listening right now is going through something or maybe is on the cusp of going through something like this a transition and I think it could it could be it could be a blanket for them. I mean, I really mean that. So, it meant a lot that you reached oh. out. I haven't really talked about it on a public forum. I don't see I don't think I'm so important that I have to necessarily, but people that um that I've talked to, like my, my family, you know, I told them and it came as a surprise. So you were the first person outside of, you know, house Monroe that that inquired <laughs> about it yeah. and it felt nice. It felt really nice to, to have that extension. So thank you. Thank you for that. It, it goes a long mm-hmm. way. Um, I wanted to ask. So on Twitter, I can always look forward to your, uh, hashtag live learn lead tweets yes, maybe sir. i got the order yeah. mixed up but and i always look forward to it do you write those yourself or do you have some sort of calendar that you copy and paste that from because they're always so introspective and it just so happens every time i'm up at five thirty in the morning or something and i see them it just so happens yeah. you're saying exactly what i'm feeling and you say it better so where, where does that come from you you're one of the most inspirational people <laughs> that I know and not in a car salesy way. Like you walk it, you talk it. And I think just for the listeners and out there, I know this, like you attribute so much of, obviously you had adversity, but your parents led by example. And so I think you picked the best parts about them and and put it into your Absolutely. utility Absolutely. belt, right?
0: Absolutely. Were, they were a staple, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, obviously you, you deal with kids every day and young adults, and you see that there, people are going through adversity themselves right now. This this engine that you have to inspire people, to, to teach them, to give back, you know there's something really creative about that where does that come from where do you get that material how do you have time for that oh gosh he, you asked a lot of questions right there I, I did <laughs> I um, like to pack it in a little pocket oh well no
0: I'll I try and, and first <laughs> thank you that you check in and I know you you favorite like whatever I forget with the, the I also depend heart, on them
1: at this point it's sustenance yeah. for me
0: <laughs> well I, I found there's a couple of observations that I have with it too well I want to give full, I think just recently I actually tweeted, it's been in the last month, two months maybe. As you get older, you lose track of time, right? So that that Twitter sent me a little thing. Hey, it's your 10-year anniversary on Twitter. And so I actually (laughs) tweeted uh, Dwayne Bonifer, which which unfortunately you never got a chance to meet Dwayne. But Dwayne was the person who told me that, hey, social media is going to take over the world. You need to get on board. And I was like, no, I don't want to. And I remember we were in a uh, development planning meeting, like a meeting of our whatever group. He worked at the college at the time. And he just sat there and wore me out, wore everybody out. You got to get on social media. This is when Twitter was like exploding. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I started a Twitter handle. And I remember it was funny because nobody, there was a thousand Chris Schmitz on there already. You know? And I was like, <laughs> well, I don't And a lot of the students call me, uh, when I used to coach years ago, a lot of students sort of call me Big Dog. And then now, as you know, a lot of people call me Schmitty. Mm-hmm. And so I was writing down stuff. I kept, you know how you keep typing in stuff and it says, that's already used. You type in something else. That's already used. That's right. And so then I just wrote Big Schmidt Dog. And so my handle became at Big Schmidt Dog. And so I've been at Big Schmidt Dog since. To answer your question, um, when I was continuing my education and I started working on my, uh, uh, you know, my postgraduate degree, working, or working on my doctorate, and I was studying leadership. That was my my field of study. I was reading all this stuff all the time. I'm like, wow, there's so much information out there. There's So much good stuff. Like so many people throughout the history of throughout history, let's just call it throughout history have been sharing inspirational stuff. And it's just their thoughts. Like so much of it was their, their life perspectives. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's like you said, like, like how is it that I read stuff? Like I, I read just as many Instagram posts, tweets, um, Facebook posts. I mean, we can go on and on. I mean, or stuff I just read on the internet. I go, wow. And I'm taken back by it. So every morning I get up, I'm kind of a weird, I've got kind of a Jocko willing, you know, like kind of thing where I get up at five Oh one every day <laughs> um, for the most part. I don't know. I just, I, I set my alarm for five Oh one. I want to be weird that way. And so I get up at five Oh one and my routine is to go make a pot of coffee. And then I sit and I usually read for a little while. I usually read for, um, you know, Thirty to forty minutes, and sometimes I'm sometimes I'm just surfing the the web, you know, surfing social media, reading stuff. And because because you know how social media, like my social media is a lot of things about leadership, that kind of thing. So I'm I look at that stuff. I go back and look at maybe whatever books. Like I, I'm I'm at my home office right now, and I'm looking at I'm sitting in front of stacks of books that I've read and stacks of books that are yet still to be read that are on my wish list that I'm going to read, and And then whatever I'm moved by in that moment is sort of what I write. So when you read my tweet in the morning, it's usually a fresh thought. It's usually a a thought. Now I won't lie. There's probably there's probably a half dozen to a dozen uh, archived, but they're not archived like oh I'm saving this for a special day. I'll be out on my bike riding, and you know I ride long long distances. You know, and I'll be out riding my bike, and I'll see something, or I'll have a thought that I go, Oh my gosh, that's, that's something that, that, that could be something someday. Like if I think about that more, so I'll type it in real quick, but I save it and I may not come back to it for a year. And there's a lot of them that don't make sense that I get back and I go, what was I trying to think there. I don't know. But most of the time I'm moved usually by where other people's thoughts and feelings are. So I thought it was interesting that you said that you actually made me feel really good. I got up sort of warm and fuzzy when you said, <laughs> I seem to catch you with the right, yeah. You see, I seem to catch you in the right mood. So here's what I do. When I get on the, in the morning and I'm reading, so after I do a little stimulus reading, then as I'm surfing the webs, you know, looking at social media, I I get moved by what other people are putting out there, you know, their feels. You know, you get the feels, like, I get mm-hmm. their feels, and I start to think, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to be corny, and I know we both love Dakota, but, like, mm-hmm. all the Dash stuff, I remember the first time, you know, like, there's all these people who are trying to figure out a way to own their dash every single day, and I'm and I'm not being corny, and I'm not trying to copycat off of what what they're doing, what he what he's doing, and trying to push that, but it's it's uh, it's true. Like I'm I'm just trying to make sense of my world every single day, and I realize there's a lot of my friends that are either close friends, or maybe they're just Twitterverse friends, or you know, on the gram friends that. <clears throat> they just need some positivity and there's just so much negativity in the world. Like I don't want to add to the negativity. So if, if I can add something that just makes people go, huh, for half a second, they go, yeah, I'm going to try to smile more towards people or I'm going to try to be a little bit more positive or yeah, you know what? The grind is hard, but the grind also teaches us to be a little stronger every day too. You know, like all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I I know when I read other people, like, the people who influence me with my thoughts, like I'm thankful that they take the time to do that. So so it's weird. About a, two months ago, I put out a tweet. And, like My morning tweet was really like I was being reflective of all the people like you and others that read it that maybe don't even have to like it, but just read it. Mm-hmm. But yet somehow in a conversation, you said, hey, I read your tweet there. That was awesome. Thank you. I needed that one when I read it. Oh, mm-hmm. thanks. Well, I sent out a tweet that said, hey, everybody. I just want to tell you all, all of you all who follow along, whether you like it or not like it, if you're just quietly listening, thank you all so much because I hear you whether you realize it or not, because I have been moved beyond words by the number of people who said what you just said, like, I read your tweet every morning. Mm -hmm. And so don't, don't like, I have to remind myself because aren't we all imperfect and we all have egos, right? We all are imperfect. We all have egos. Like, sometimes I will think I have the most profound. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like oh, my gosh, Chris. This is a stroke of, of genius, like, yep. right here. Like, like look write how this that is one moving down. you. And I'm typing it. I'm like, man, this is moving me. I'm so fired up. I can't wait till I publish this, and everyone is going to go like, 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 and they're going to love it. And then, like, you know, like, late that afternoon, I'll be taking a break and having coffee, and I'll open up Twitter. And that little heart down there, it says, you know, like, how many people like it? They'll be like, two. <laughs> yep, and I laugh but but I know it's so much more than that like I really do like I do I do now I realize that now because of conversations and me- I've gotten private messages and DMs from people and other things and so you know what that's what keeps motivating me to keep doing like I I look forward to doing that. And, that and then I apologize some days I'm like hey guys I got up this morning went for a run and I couldn't be in two places at the same time so you didn't get my morning tweet till 7.30 I try to be consistent and just throw it out there by at least six-ish give or take but You know, it's just, uh, and now I kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say obligated. I don't feel like obligated. I feel like it's sort of my, it's my humanly duty to sort of share, you know what I mean? Like, I just, like, I I always want to make sure there's something positive. I don't know that, I don't, maybe I've said something negative, but I don't think I have. I always try to focus on, as simplistic as it sounds, I try to focus on the positive, about getting better and overcoming challenges and weaknesses and recognizing the fact that we have, bad days and circumstances in life. Like, look, you just shared circumstances. I just shared circumstances. I could be mad at my dad. I could be mad at this. I could be mad at that. But you know what? Hey, that's just life. Shit happens and you know, it's time to get over it and harden harden up a little bit and, and, and then but in the same time soften up a little bit and take it in, you know, and sort of enjoy this ride.
1: Most definitely. I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole unless you want to, but I do want to ask, just because I feel very comfortable with you, I'm going to ask yeah. you something. When was the last time you felt something like a depression?
0: Ooh, When was the last time I felt something like a depression? Oof. I don't...
1: Uh, I, uh, let I me just announce- tell the listeners. I mean, I'm going to have to put, like, a selfie in tandem with this podcast so people can see why they call you big (laughs) Schmidt dog, but you're in fantastic shape. You've competed in how many Ironman, sir? I
0: I have, uh, I've, (laughs) I've been fortunate enough to finish 11 Ironman and (laughs) I got another one coming up in about six weeks.
1: Oh my God. Okay. That's amazing. How many marathons would you say? Well,
0: I've only actually done one marathon. That's the New York City Marathon. All my marathons mm. have been within, inside the Ironman race.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs> and but you would, how many... going to Marine, uh, Marine Corps Marathon with, with oh, Dakota. Yeah. I'm up to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Um, how yeah. many miles, rough estimate, would you say you put on the bike a week?
0: Um, I... Okay, I'm not being corny, I'm not being ugly, but I don't think of it in terms of like, I try to ride my bike about 10 hours a week. Um You know, I mean, I I, I look at my yearly statistics because I don't really keep up with my, I don't keep up with it like on a weekly, like at the end of the year, I just get a, because all my stuff is electronic, my mm-hmm. running, my biking and swimming, I keep up with it electronically. So I average about, I don't know, Fifty-five to sixty-five hundred miles a year on my bike, and Holy then smokes. you know almost a thousand miles of running. And I don't, I don't really keep up with. I mean, I keep up with the swimming, but I don't pay attention to swimming. The swimming is just a means to an end.
1: You casually just put in there over a thousand miles and running. That's that's amazing. So safe to say, you're no slouch. So well, I think I, a body I'm not that picture
0: perfect athlete. I'm, a, I'm no David Goggins. I mean, I don't look like I have no you, you, you've met me. I enjoy, I I go, look, you know, I enjoy eating. I enjoy having an adult beverage and I'm just a normal person. I got my little, you know, I got my dad bought a little bit, but I try to be physically
1: active. Of course. And so I think a good way to combat depression or whatever sort of, you know, form that it takes is definitely physical activity, right? Exercise. It's a great state change. It's good for your body. It's good for endorphins. It's good for your immune system and so on. I'm not a scientist. So, Obviously, you're no slouch. I doubt you go a week without working out, maybe post-Ironman, maybe, when you're recovering. But, you know, do you, with stress or, I mean, do you ever battle anxiety or do you ever flirt with depression or does it ever come at you like seasonally or anything like that?
0: Um, It's funny, I'm, I'm actually doing a presentation on Thursday to a leadership class and I do the presentation two ways. It depends. I do sort of, I call it the corporate version, which is the very generic packaged, hit all my talking points, and it's a very how does it impact you kind of presentation, but there's a different one that I do. It's the same exact material, but it's very personal. So back in uh, 2008, I was uh, almost 365 pounds, and I was being admitted into a hospital uh, because my heart was racing out of my chest, I had collapsed in my office, uh my anxiety and stress was out the roof. I just was I was completely lost. I was just a mess. I just was I didn't I didn't know where I was really going professionally. Um and not that I wasn't being successful. I just didn't know. I had no clue. I was I mean I was happily married, but I don't know I was I don't know if I was like I don't know what that me I didn't know what that meant. I was a parent, but I wasn't, I don't know if I was really being engaged as a parent. I don't know. I was just, I just was lost. And, uh, and that's when I made a decision to start, start changing things in my life. And it was, you know, I, I remember I went for a bike ride and I couldn't even go, uh, there's a place called bull run really close to my house. And my goal was to make it to the stop sign on bull run, which is five miles. And I couldn't make it up the little hill to get to the end of bull run. I turned around, and came home, felt really defeated, and it kind of started from there. And it was—it wasn't like I didn't try to swallow the elephant all in one all in one gulp. I was just—I was—I I don't know if I was smart enough. Let me just say, I was cognizant enough to know that you got to take it one bite at a time. So, you know, my goal was to get under three hundred. You know, and well, first my my first goal was actually to get to three twenty-five, and I did that. And then my goal was to get under three hundred. I did that. And then I remember I stayed at three uh, two eighty-five for a very long time. But, uh, it just kind of kept moving. I kept moving the dial and kept moving the dial. And, and then, uh, you know, and then it's funny how things happen. Like, like, I don't know if it was that discipline and, you know, and I, I and I am, I'm a believer in all these people out there talking leadership, but I'm a huge Jocko follower. Uh, you know, uh, I tell, I tease the code all the time. I said, you know, my goal one day is for, for me to connect and sit at the same table as you and Jocko. I said, just cause I could sit in awe and listen to you two men talk. And, But like, I really do believe that this now I recognize, I recognize, I've learned that discipline really does equal freedom and that, that, uh, it was because of making those little subtle changes and being, being disciplined and committed to the process, starting to pay more attention to what I eat, you know, I quit doing this, I quit doing that. I, you know, just, just changing things. You know, do I still enjoy ice cream? Heck yeah. You know, I'm not, I haven't given up everything. Do I like it? Like I said, do I like an adult beverage? Yes. But, but I also know there's something to pay like. I knew that we had this pod, that we were going to record this tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, normally I'm riding until dark. So this morning I got up and I ran my five miles and had it knocked out, got my workout in at lunch, and now I had free freedom to, to talk with you tonight. You know what I mean? So it's this. I think, so during that time, to answer your question, yeah, I, I did. I, I was very, uh, I was... I was fully aware of how internally lonely I was because I was not the person of substance that I needed to be. I had nothing to do with my wife. I had nothing to do with my son, my friend who was, it was really me. I, and so I, I had this thing where I told people, I said, look in the mirror, mm-hmm. start with that person. If you look in the mirror and you're not happy with the person you see, then, then figure out a way to change what you're seeing in the mirror. And if that means, cutting out toxic people in your life. That means not cutting out toxic behaviors, choices, getting a new job, starting over. Just start one step at a time. Or like I said, one bite at a time on that elephant. Cause if you try to swallow it, you will choke. You'll choke. You will, you will every single time. But, uh, but now when I look in the mirror, I am fully aware of all my imperfections, but they're so much easier to embrace because I know I work at them every day. You know what I mean?
1: Of course. I would also add to, you know, what you said about looking in the mirror and I'd add, you also have to have the guts, the audacity to admit that it is as bad as you think it is. It's it's worse than it yeah. is. How did you get there? How did you let this happen? And, you know, just speaking from experience, you know, I've looked in the yeah. mirror and I've said, eh, it's been worse or I've been worse or it could be worse or, you know, you rationalize and that's not don't even if, you know, you have to make that promise to yourself that you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to be honest with yourself too yeah. and that takes guts and it's it's going to yep. hurt and that's and, a and, gift that you can give yeah. yourself if you have the audacity to look in the mirror and,
0: and i think the thing that i struggle with when you say that is that i didn't know what i believed in you know and so i like part of what i do now in this presentation the presentations that i do with young people or, or it doesn't mean young people i do it with Corporations and businesses and stuff. I'll just say things like, I ask a simple question, and I am not again. This is this is not original thought. You know, I I, I adapted, adopted, whatever you know, whichever way you want to put it, from other people I've read and looked at and presentations I've been. But like, you know, what's your why? Like, sort of, what do you believe in? Like, I didn't know what I believed in. I didn't know what was important to me. So going all the way back to what you said before, where did the live, learn, and lead thing come from? That's that's because I sat there. I still have and I could show it to you one day. I still have the original program at the conference that I was sitting at in 2008. A guest speaker asked that question, and that's what started me thinking about, I can't stand the person I see when I look in the mirror, and I asked myself, "Chris, what do you what do you believe? What do you stand for?" And so like when I talked about the word live, like to me it meant to like be mentally, physically and spiritually stretched every single day. And I wasn't stretching myself. And I got and you know, you and I have had some some um, theological conversations about like I'm pretty open about uh, faith, you know, like just in general. Like I try not to like hammer people into any kind of specific doctrine. That's why I use the word live in terms of a very wide open interpretation. Like, are you mentally, physically, and spiritually well? Like, are, what are you doing to be mentally, physically, and spiritually well? That's what really, that's what I define as living. And then like for me, I realized I've been, I mean, from the moment I came out the womb, I've been learning something and at 48 years of age almost 49 I learn something new every single day like I'm growing and learning from this from being part of this podcast right now myself and so so education and the opportunity to learn is there mm-hmm. every single day so I think until I die I'm going to learn and then at the end like like if you can't begin by leading the person that you see in the mirror like see that's what I'm saying like we mm-hmm. all have the opportunity to lead like, everybody, like everyone wants to say, oh, well, I'm not a leader, I'm shy, or I'm awkward, or, or maybe, you know, like, oh, that's that's for other people. Well, that may be true. Like, no one's asking you to take over a Fortune 500 and be, like, the chairman of the board kind of person, but can you lead your family? Like, is Nives Monroe, does he, are you the... Are you a leader within your own family? Yes, absolutely. Are you, you know, are, did you take the initiative to to, to follow back up with me and, and talk about how you're developing your brand on your podcast and stuff? Absolutely. You're leading that way in our communities, our churches, our businesses, wherever. When you're at the grocery store, just being kind to another person, a leading person. So that's where that came from for me, if I had to put it all in a big, like, umbrella
1: for you. So I call... I think I said this on a podcast recently or maybe I had a a conversation with a dear friend and I was telling him, you know, he had said and I feel so bad saying this, but we're tight. We've been through everything. I don't think he'll mind and I, I won't out him, but he told me that he peaked at 23 years old and he's 31 now and what he does is just coasts, you know, he just gets by is what he does. And that really broke my heart to hear and yeah. he, he looked at me and whatever small, you know, pile of beans that I've collected, you know, through my endeavors. I think he saw what I, what I had, you know, one of those grasses greener on the other side moments. And, and I told him the only difference between you and me is I just want to live and die by my own terms. It, it's not that I chose yeah. the right career path or that I made better decisions per se. Everything I every the nucleus of behind every decision was predicated on it being on my terms. And
0: yeah, you're, it sounds like your joy, your happiness. Like you know what I mean? Like you're. It's not. You, I didn't hear you put a dollar amount next to that. You it. didn't say I have to have so many beans. I have to have so many of this. I have to have so many. You just said it's yeah, your terms. I get it.
1: My terms and in relation to my self-worth, you know, uh, my mom sacrificed her dreams and had me at a very young age and never mm-hmm. really had a shot to to go do what she, you know, to even just be a kid and fuck off. She didn't even have that yeah. opportunity. So I owe it to her to, to live my dreams. So that's, you know, she gets that W on the board for her as well. And part of my purpose and role in life I believe, and you're very well-versed in pop culture. You know Dakota. This guy's favorite movie is The Boondock Saints, or that's what he says anyways. He doesn't watch a movie. I never saw a movie with him. I never, ever saw a TV show or a movie with him. And uh, so it's great to talk to someone from the circle that is familiar with pop culture. So I'm sure you're familiar with The Matrix. It's 20 years old by now. Absolutely. And I kind of feel like that's, my role in society. I feel like I'm a Morpheus. I just want to yank people out of the matrix. And of course you can't make the horse drink from the well, but you know, you can take your hands out and say red, blue, red pill, blue pill. And, you know, and I kind of feel like I'm one of those, uh, not in a hoity toity way or a holier than now or self-righteous way, but just, I was fortunate enough by whatever circumstances that were out of my control to get out, to get unplugged. And, It's liberating. And I owe it to other people to, to unplug others. And that's what I try to do. And along the way I've collected what I refer to as jewels, just gems, you know, like live, learn, lead. Like that's a gem to me. That's, that's the kind of stuff that I pass down to my kids. And that's, the kind of father mother stuff that I needed when I was a kid. And I collect those things. Like I have notebooks beyond notebooks, beyond notebooks. And I'm looking at them right now. Oh,
0: I love your notebooks. I know. I I, I remember <laughs> That's right. I remember you like the, that that was the thing that I noticed most about you. I remember when I first met you, you had your hand tightly around a little yes. uh sort of leather maybe not leather bound, yeah. but it looked some type of like it was and I could tell like there was a lot of scribbles on it, mm-hmm. on it, in it. Yep, And it, I, I knew exactly what that was, and then I saw it.
1: I don't know if it's because I saw at the Spy at such a young age, or I don't know what it was that I was just, I put it on writing, but it saved my life. And so along my way, um, I've collected some jewels. And as we're winding down here, what are some of the best kind of gems? You don't have to distill it in 240 characters or less, but what are some gems that you've collected <laughs> along the way that, Maybe you haven't had an opportunity to shine some light on. For instance, I'll give you an example. Um, When I was in your office, it was the first time I ever heard about the man in the arena quote. I didn't know about that. And then we made it into a flip side canvas, which is awesome. It was like a bestseller. People loved it. it. It was pretty ubiquitous. Like People had heard of it before, but I never did. And I remember just seeing your eyes light up. Like, your pupils dilated as you were telling me, like, the significance of this, of this story. And I was like, it stuck with me. You know, it's one thing to read it on the internet or see it in a post, but you contextually articulating this to me was, well, I'll never forget it. And I was like, yeah, man, it's all about the man in the arena. It was real easy from, you know, the nosebleed yeah. section to boo this guy or to armchair quarterback it. But that's a jewel that I take with me and uh, I use in my utility belt to try to wake some people up, right? Activate something in them, um, awaken the giant, if you will, if I could be so, yeah, you know, No,
0: it's funny you, to it's say so who, funny that you bring that up. Cause I actually, uh, I don't know what it was a couple of years ago. You know, it's being a professional person wears your shirt and tie, you know, there's stigmas about what you should and shouldn't have. And, you know, I have a few tattoos and stuff like that, but I remember it was really important for me that particular passage from the man in the arena. Obviously, it's a very long quote, but uh, I remember I was with my family somewhere, and I said I want to get a passage of that tattooed <laughs> on my ribs, and I actually have the the section that says I shall never be one of those cold and timid souls yes. who neither knows victory nor defeat, and I, and because I think what so you talk about like nuggets, like I, yes, a long time ago, Dean Adams and I saw a shirt that said Nuggets of Wisdom. Yes. Now the person wearing the shirt was not talking about the same nuggets of wisdom that we're talking uh-huh. about, but, but, but <laughs> I, I, uh, I actually saw that in Japan. I was traveling in Japan. I saw that shirt, but we've always talked about that. Like, that's like a nugget to me of wisdom. Like right. I shall never be one of those cold and timid souls. Like, like I want to dare to fail. I want to dare to yes. learn. I want to dare to be victorious. I want to. And, and so like, so when that dash is completely filled up and I'm at the end of that journey, the, per, the people will look back and said, man, he sure did a lot of things. Like he did it on like, sort of like you said, did it on his terms and, and fulfilled a lot of opportunities. And he just was, he was getting after it. And like, and, uh, I'll, I'll share two things with you. So like in all my reading, I distilled down this one book and I use this and I always, uh, want to make sure it was like, it was never quoted directly like this in the book, mm-hmm. but, um, um, but I, I, I use this passage, and I've created a formula that I share with every uh, class of students I meet with when I do this presentation. And it says, "It's a I call it a math formula because I'm a pretty simple person. I like to keep things simple. Like mm-hmm. to me, everything in life, I try to keep things as much as possible. One plus one equals two. You know what I mean? Just Same. See, it's pretty simple math. <laughs> yes, and then I can, and then I can always fall back on simple math. So. And I want you to think about this, but positive thinking. And so like, think about what I do every morning with positive, you know, being very positive and trying to be motivating, thoughtful with our tweets. But positive thinking plus positive action. Because let me frame this up for you. So like, everybody, like, I don't like, like, look, if someone listens to this podcast, they're going, go, oh, boy, those two guys sure did have a really thoughtful conversation. They, they sure were positive. Well, that's one part of it. There's right. people walking around all the time having all these thoughts of all the what they want to do, what I could do, what I'm going to do with this, with the other thing. But then, how many people get up and pull the jocko will and can get up early in the morning and go put it in, put it into effect? There's right. an action that has to go with it. So I always tell people it's positive thinking plus positive action, equal parts. Maybe sometimes it's fifty, you know, 60, 40, whatever. But it's you've got to put those two pieces together: positive thinking plus positive action. To this is what it equals: your full human potential. I don't know anybody. Well, let me say that. I mean, let me let me retract that statement. I I like to believe that 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 there's no one out there that doesn't want to reach their full human potential. And that's and what's wonderful about that saying with that 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 those three words: full human potential is what's your full human potential and what's my full human potential is defined by you guys and it's defined by me. Like I'm talking about my full human potential. So. If I take my positive thinking and I put positive action behind that, then I have the potential then to reach my full human potential. Like right. I, I create a formula that actually is something, so it goes back, so to come full circle, to go back to that man Marina. like if I'm out there every day grinding away, trying, putting my best foot forward, you know, I could all the, you know, there's all those, all those expressions that, that we all know, but if I'm actually doing it, And I got the right attitude about it. And I've got an opportunity to realize my dreams, to realize my potential, and to to live up to the person that I'm hoping to be. So I think about that every single day.
1: That's brilliant, sir. Uh, I want you to be able to say, like, wow, we really got somewhere there with knives. Is there anything else that you want to leave these listeners or be able to look back at this yearbook and say, oh, cool, that was a little, that was when I was, Forty-eight years old, and I and I said this. I want I want to leave nothing out. Uh, maybe you you hit all your marks, but uh, I just kind of want to say this is like the fourth down, and let's go for it. You know,
0: I just oh wow, that's a really it's a it's a powerful question you asked. You asked a lot of powerful questions tonight. First of all, so kudos to you for for the work you're doing. And I saved stuff, those powerful
1: questions for powerful people that I think well, can answer you're, you're being way too kind, but thank you. I don't know.
0: I just, I, I, I think, uh, so if I get that one final, uh, you know, I get a if someone hands me a mic and I'm standing mm-hmm. on the podium, I get to give one last, you know, like, you know, message just, you know, like seriously, like <sighs> people can spend time crying and complaining. I do it. I do it. We all do it. You know, we have our moments, we have our little, our little tantrums. We have our little pity. So, you know, like a pity moments, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But look at the end of the day, you know, you, you just got to, I mean, you just got to live it, you know, like get out there and do, if there's things that you want, then go get them. If there, you know, and just, and it, it is, there's, it is going to take sacrifice. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take determination. I Chris Schmidt, Knife Monroe, Dakota Meyer. We go on and on. And people didn't come up with all these terms. They were out there way a long time ago. But when you put those things into effect, when you put action behind those words, mm-hmm. positive or negative. There's going to be a result, so why not put more positive action behind that those things? Like if you you know what I mean, like if you put the positive action behind it, you're probably going to end up on the the winning side of things for yourself. But 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 you and I know people, and we've met people who you know I call them like the Debbie Downers. You know, like they sort of you know they they find a reason to be oh well that's not going to work if we do it that way. Well, how do we know? Let's try. And if we, and you know what, and along the way, if we mess up, we're going to learn something to be better the next time we try. Like, it's just okay. Like I I don't come home. It's not all rainbows and sunshine every day. It's just not. Mm -hmm. But, but, but when I put my head down on the pillow every single night, I sleep soundly every single night because I've put my best foot forward. And I've tried to live the best life I could. I've given it my best effort. Everybody I've come. It's like tonight, like I was excited to do the podcast. So when you asked me these questions, I've been sitting here, you know me, guys, <laughs> I've, I, I, got, I got ready. I got a pad out. I've been writing down questions. I've been thinking because I'm like, I want to give you my best. I want to give the people who listen to this their best. And so, But, but that's the expectation that people listening should set for themselves are you giving your best to yourself every single day? Because if you are, then that means you're going to be giving your best to everybody else around you too. You know what I mean?
1: Chris Schmidt, thank you so much for giving me your best on, on this podcast. I mean, you really did me an honor (laughs) and, and I appreciate that. And I know that if I'm, if I'm ever, you know, down or out, like I know I can text you, I can call you and I could, I could lean on you and I know you'd be there. So, Thank you. Thank you for showing up because that's, well, you know, 70% of success is just showing up and you did. And and I, I greatly appreciate that, sir. And, and thank you for, for being there for me personally. It means a lot. I appreciate you.
0: No, I appreciate it. And uh, I, some people say it's overused expression, but uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving me an opportunity. And, and I mean, this. like, you know, a lot of people are afraid to say this, but I love you. And, and I mean that because, you've been genuine to my family and you've been genuine to me and and you have cared for people who I care about and it goes back to what I said before so that so people like you become part of my family and and I love the folks in my family so you're right you can reach out to me anytime and I always try to do my best to help you or offer counsel or be there or pick you up or or pick you up at the airport or do whatever you need me to do but uh, (laughs) I wish you continued success wish you the best for your family and and, uh, and hopefully, maybe one day we do this again soon. And yeah. hopefully, we just hang out soon.
1: It'd be cool to just hang out. I would like that. I love you too, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'll I'll see you down the road.
0: Thank you, guys. I appreciate